Everybody, this is the PWCS Wrestling Podcast. My name is Greg Jovi, and I was the co-creator and co-promoter of PWCS Wrestling. Why am I talking to you right now? Why now? Why here? I don't know. Uh, we're of course all in quarantine. It's 2020. PWCS Wrestling has been dead since October, and while I'm very, very happy that I am not running a professional wrestling business uh, solely on my own. Here in this current climate, it does give you a lot of time to sit and reflect. My creative juices are not pouring out of me. I am not performing. I am definitely not promoting. I am not writing. Um, and so doing a podcast is, is kind of a way to get that out of me, to perform, to be on. It's something that I need. I need it. Uh, I don't know why, but it's I have to slip into another person and be on, be an, uh, be performing uh, to really be happy and, and be in the right mindset. And I've done a little bit of it. I've done uh, the PW, the, uh, not the PW, this is the PWCS Wrestling Podcast. I've done the Submission Squad Podcast. I've done their Patreon stuff. but And that really got me thinking and, and about maybe should should we finish out the PWCS Podcast? Should we finish all the shows? And, and I'm not committing to that. This is me dipping the smallest bit of my big toe into the water to see how we want to do this. I haven't even spoken to Daniel about this or whether we would want to continue it. Um, But I think I would find some closure in going through all of the shows and breaking them down and really putting a bow on PWCS and and having that one final podcast. Um, So I definitely am open to it. I think the reason I'm releasing this now is when I sort of started to explore that idea, I re-downloaded the Anchor app and took another look at it and and wanted to maybe listen to some old episodes and kind of think, you know, of the big stories that I was telling. I realized that there's still part three of the last show that we did, that we covered. We covered, uh, what is this? This is stage one 2018, I think the audio is about. Um, and it was recorded, according to my Anchor, exactly one year ago. Um, so, or at least it was uploaded, uh, to Anchor exactly one year ago. So we probably recorded it fairly, uh, soon before we left for Double or Nothing, which is another thing I would love to cover on the podcast. That trip was fantastic. Uh, we did a, basically a cross-country road trip to go to Double or Nothing and explore Vegas. And, um, and that was kind of the end of the podcast. We did that. I came back. We did the Grangrell show. It went fine, but not how I'd want it to. And after that, I knew that the end was near. Um, and it was hard to continue the podcast. I didn't want to go back and look at shows um, while PWCS was dying or after it took its final breaths. I mean, uh, it was hard. It was a, it was a very heavy thing to have to do, a heavy decision to have to make. Um, and I toiled with it for probably six months, and, and even after we closed it, it was still very, very hard. There were things that that softened the blow, and hopefully we'll get into that one day. But um, 
I think we should at least finish this story. So let's go ahead and get into the audio that you guys haven't missed. I would encourage you, if this has popped up in your feed and you're a subscriber, the whole five or six or seven of you out there, then I would go back and get caught up on what we were covering, the previous events. I had the first half of the card and then almost a whole episode uh, entirely on the worst Royal Rumble. Um, and then this was the rest of it. So it's, it's nothing earth shattering, but I think we should get it out. It's been in captivity for a year. So let's release it out in the wild. I hope you guys enjoy it and have a happy Memorial Day. All right. So we, uh, we, we talked about how Chris Mack, uh, beats the crap out of Matt. I called him Ron Waterman. Yeah, Chris <laughs> Mack whoops a late Chuo's ass and, and gets the quick win for the blacklist. <laughs> All right, so let's move on then to uh, just before the uh, intermission for this event here. We got the Gateway Heritage Championship. The defending Danny Adams taking on his challenger of the night, Paco. This is, uh, this is uh, an interesting match to get into. Um, I, as we talked about before, I wish Danny could have had a longer title reign, but yeah. we just didn't want to go from a heel to a heel and keep you know, keep that run for a while. We wanted a face to get a championship, and I thought that of all the people... I, sh- I should start there. There were three candidates to yeah. beat Danny. So we always knew he wasn't going to go longer than stage two with the belt. Yeah. Just because of that reason. I'm not wanting another long heel reign. Um, so Paco was on the list, and of course here he is you know, fighting Danny for the Gateway Heritage saddle. Spoiler alert, Paco then, wins course, this role. <laughs> this, uh, uh, yes. This one. Trial to get into the championship. Uh, Everett Connors is on the list, uh-huh. and uh, Mike Outlaw was on the list. Uh-huh. We thought those three were guys that could take the mantle because, as we talked about in previous episodes, we were very much like trying to build those that new crop of stars, that new set of people. Right. Um, because even you know, we our booking was not knowing that we were going to be preparing. We were preparing for an NWL world where they were going to take more stars, not give us a heavy influx of new ones. <laughs> Um, I think had we known that, we may have planned a little differently or thought a little differently. Yeah. Well. Um, but that being said, you know Paco is the champion that we chose because woo, that was a big yawn. Take that, podcast listeners. I'm <laughs> tired. Um, it, we chose Paco because we thought of all those guys, even Danny included, he sort of needed the belt the most. Is a, Paco did not have a very strong character at the time, right? Um, and we felt like, okay, let's take him. He doesn't have a character. Maybe his character can be underdog, babyface champion. Uh-huh. Uh, so he kind of gets booked into the like CM Punk face championship role, where at least with us, he very much was like he was the champion. He's the only guy. It's not like we had another champion that we pushed over him or anything. But his title reign definitely took a back seat to the Vega Fitchett story we were trying to tell. Right. Um, but so we we do just end up deciding on Paco because we just feel like Outlaw has a strong character. He knows who he is. He's over. Connors is a strong character. Mm-hmm. He knows yes. who he, and he had his own set of story to go through with the submission squad being like the last of the. Submission squad, you know, full timers. That, and I think he still had the the bit with Kenway to settle up yeah. with as well. Yeah. yeah. So, um, if it would have been one of those, if it would have been Connor, we would have pushed Kenway versus him to stage two, or we, we could have 
finagled around which sure. series played out. But sure. um, we we ended up deciding it's it, it was Paco was the best thing was the best guy for the job, um, and that he would get the most out of the belt. And we we kind of felt like okay, we get to make two people out of Vegas title reign because there's the guy that beat him, and there's the guy that beats the guy that beat him. And sure. how poetic is it for Paco to beat Danny for the Gateway Heritage title when two years, you know, or three, four years before that, their last-minute throw-ins on the, the mega-ticket show yeah. and getting their ass whooped by Jimmy Jacobs. So a really cool come-full-circle moment there. They have a great match uh, that I fucked up. I fucked. I blew this whole match. Oh yeah. Yeah. Uh, I was out there in Danny's corner, um, and they. So I pulled the ref way early. They they had like a whole another five to ten minutes uh-huh. left to do, and and I felt like an asshole because here this was supposed to be their big, like, crowning moment. You know, we we booked it as the come full circle from the. From you know, last minute additions to the main event for the title, you know, and and uh, they were supposed to go like twenty minutes and do everything. This was you know Danny Paco WrestleMania match, right? And uh, I think I pulled the ref at like ten minutes because it, my defense of it when I got back to the back and everyone was rightfully angry at me uh, was I heard. I was supposed to wait for, and I did a couple things with Paco before, but my big thing that I was supposed to do was when I see the the cradle shock finish, when I see Paco land the, the cradle shock finish, I pull the ref. Uh-huh. And what I didn't know was that there were going to be two cradle shocks. The first one, Danny was just going to kick out of, and then the... The next one was the one where I needed to pull the ref. Sure. I think I missed that call somewhere down the line when we were calling the match, and I was running around doing silly worst Royal Rumble shit <laughs> and other stuff like that, and, and just kind of you know um, being scattered all over the place. That I missed that call, and so when I saw him hit the cradle shock, and I saw Nick Chin swing his legs out towards me, I was like, "Oh, this is it!" And I, and so as I knew that the things before it didn't add up, but I thought. Oh fuck! They're just going home early. All right, and I pull Nick Chin out, uh-huh. and uh, Vega comes out, runs me off, and they have to just like go straight into the go home. But they were rightfully upset because they had a lot more planned before that, and uh-huh. uh, I felt like an asshole because I was like, of all the fucking people to blow a spot, it was you. It's me on my show, and yeah. I, and I take when I have a spot in a match. I take that shit real seriously because I'm not the one in there working. I'm not the one wrestling. And so I think I annoy people sometimes because I make them say, like, the three things that are going to happen before my spot to me over and over and over again. Either that or people just think I'm stupid and don't remember. But it's not either. It's just that I want to be 100% certain and I want to hit my mark every time because I'm like, okay, you guys have... 15 minutes of material to remember. I only have to remember one fucking thing. I better stick that thing every time. Right. And this was like the only time I'd ever blown a spot like that And I, but I felt like a fucking asshole. Uh, luckily, Danny uh, was very cool about it and uh, Paco ends up massively blowing a spot in my match and returning the favor <laughs> ab- uh, about a year down the line. So we'll get to that when we get to it. But... Uh, Way way before it was supposed to, Paco pins Danny <laughs> with the cradle shock. 
for the one, two, three, it takes the Gateway Heritage Championship. Interesting. It's very interesting. All right, so we move on with the stage one. Stage one? Stage two. Stage one. Stage one. Okay, cool. Got a little confused. Stage one of 2018. Uh, coming back from the intermission, we have Rashid Ali taking on uh, and Rashid Ali and Shane Sanders. Yes. Sorry. Uh, taking on the team of Alpha Omega. This was a good little like CD story we were telling. Uh, yeah, CD story? I, well, I have my A story, my B story. Oh, okay. This fell somewhere in like the C or D <laughs> range um, because they, they were just sort of you know, throwaway, I don't want to say throwaway guys, but they were n not on teams yet or anything. Right. Um, Free agents. Yeah, I and, is what and we so uh, Rashid Ali and St. Sanders, the idea was that they would kind of uh, progress throughout the year and that Ali would lose and start blaming Sanders. It was very like pro wrestling 101. Mm -hmm. He'd lose and start blaming Sanders and eventually would get some sympathy on Sanders and, and they'd have a big blow-off match at the Mega Ticket. Sure. Um, so this was the early seeds of that, of just showing them as a tag team. Uh, they go over Alpha Omega, um, who are also great guys. So um, good little, a good match here, and it was really more of a building block than anything, so there's not a whole lot to get into, but that's... Something as we watch shows down the line to look into is uh, is the development of the Ali Sanders feud. Right. Yeah. All right. So we continue this one with a match that was advertised a good handful of months ago. Yes. Uh, that would be uh, Everett Connors taking on the leader of the Blacklist, Matt Kenway. And this was real good. Yeah. Uh, we just watched it. I watched it back here as like we were talking, and then you were accepting pizza and the yes. various things that have happened. Um, and I remembered that it was good, but forgot how good it was. Uh -huh. um, and man, they fucking tore the house down. It's just it's one of those things. It's wild to know how good Connor is, and it's like he only like half cares about it. Yeah, like that sounds bad. But it's just, you know, Connor cares more about doing fun stuff and it being fun. Like, he's out there to have fun. He's not there because he wants to have the five-star match. Like, he wants to have a good match, don't get me wrong. Sure. But um, he only does stuff that's fun to him. That's why he's not, you know, driving 10 hours for $20 with people he hates to, you know, get on any show he can. Right. You know, uh, he wants to do the ones that are fun to him, and luckily we're one of the ones that's fun to him. And, uh he enjoys working for us and so he continues to do it and that's amazing but it's just amazing that somebody that doesn't eat sleep and breathe pro wrestling can be so good at, like at it like he is mm -hmm. and same thing with like his his pre-show bits and stuff i mean he does not think of that shit ahead of time he doesn't have <laughs> he just like goes out there and fucking feels it and he's just, he's so funny his comedic timing's amazing he's so charismatic like you can't say enough good things about connor and same thing for Kenway. Like, uh, Kenway, this was another time that we put him in that spot to be a major player, and he delivered. Right. It was a really good match. I think the only thing, looking back, that I know we critiqued him on at the time was, like, he kept poking at Jackson and poking about anarchy and stuff. Yeah. And, like, you know, first of all, when he first started doing it, we never would have thought that it was actually going to come back. Yeah. But now you're in this situation where it's like, okay, you motherfucked Anarchy, you motherfucked Jackson, and it should lead naturally to a match. Like, but you're never going to get that match one-on-one. -on -one. 
And I think that's the early seeds of what where we started talking about Mega Ticket Taker that would happen later on down the line. Because mm-hmm. we were like, well, eventually he's got to get his comeuppance on Kenway and right. something for all this shit talking. And so we kind of curved, like, and the other thing was, like, some of it just simply wasn't true. Like, he would, Kenway would try and say some things that, you know, would, like, put Anarchy down, which is like, okay, it's fine, I guess, but it's not about you versus Anarchy, it's about you versus the Submission Squad. Yeah. Attack the Submission Squad. Um, and say things about the Submission Squad that at least your character believes. Like, to me, it's very big, like, with promos and things, like, don't just say shit to say shit. Like, saying that anarchy never drew is a, a false thing. So people are not going to take you seriously if you are just saying things that sound silly. Yeah. You know, uh, if your character has conviction and says, you know, I should have been the fucking top guy at St. Louis Anarchy and you and the submission squad held me down, that's different. You know, so right. you got to direct it in the right spot. Um, but regardless of that small critique, uh, Kenway delivered and delivered with a main event caliber match here and uh, it was it was really phenomenal it's, when you start to go down this card it's like okay Alex and Steven Wolf is a really good opener that tag match kicked ass uh, the worst Royal Rumble hit on all cylinders like mm-hmm. we kind of float back down with Mac and Waterman but you kind of had to have a old come down match um, Paco and Danny kills it again the like tag match coming out of, of intermission is good for that spot and here you are with Kenway and Connors absolutely kill it again. This is probably one of the better cards we've ever put on. Yeah. Like, go, when you go start to finish. So, uh, very, very proud going through. But, yeah, Kenway gets the, the win over Everett Connors to set up the blacklist, kind of trying to get some heat back on That's this mission squad and continuing to beat them down. Yeah. And we keep the action rolling with another banger here. Uh, got Thomas Shire coming out to face off against the debuting, I believe, Hoodie Howlett. He was debuting. I don't remember if this was a surprise again or not. I think much like Durden, we left this as a surprise. I think we knew it was going to be Hoodie versus Shire. Uh, I think Shire comes out and, and basically says, like, I don't even have a match on this thing. Uh, somehow I'm not, you know, I'm still uh, being courted by all these teams. I haven't made my decision yet. You know, it, and I should I should have a match here tonight, and so Hoodie's music hits, then he comes out and and whoops his ass. It was a match that I knew was going to be good from the start. I think I had seen it at some point in NWL, mm-hmm. and they did real real well there. So I knew it was only going to be dialed up more here. Um, and I just remember Hoodie being very grateful um, for a spot to work. Yeah, because Hoodie was a guy that he worked out in Colorado. And kind of you know just made his name around there and you know out on the the west coast a little bit. But then NWL signs, he goes there and that's all he has. I mean he uproots his entire life, his family goes to Kansas City, moves there, and when that's over, I mean that's a huge fucking blow to a guy like that. Oh yeah. You know you just you just moved your entire fucking life to this city that you have no attachment to for a job with a wrestling company that's no longer there. Yeah. And so. Um, he was he was very very cool and appreciative of having a spot to work, and that made me feel really really good to be able to give that to not just him but guys like I mean Durden obviously wasn't going to hurt for work, but you know these other guys that that we were a place to go for those NWL guys for a bit that they were able to like kind of bounce back and not lose their love of wrestling, mm-hmm. which is um, 
was really important to get back to those guys that I feel like gave to me so much through NWL. Especially that guy like Hoodie, he cut all those promos and it was always talking me up and things like that. So to be able to return the favor was really cool. And him and Shire have a banger of a match again. And uh, to kind of... This was something I think we planned on there being a better story for. But it didn't get there. Of, of uh, Shire was going to go and accept the spot on the, the submission squad that he was originally offered. Right. Uh, in a reacts. And then is forced to... And then appears like, well, we already filled the spot and it's Hoodie. Uh, who beat him earlier in the night? So Shire has to kind of has to go back to the drawing board, and he gets a pep talk from me, which leads to him being a uh, ego buster down the line. But, mm-hmm. uh, fun little setup for that, but unfortunately, we didn't get to bring Hoodie back a whole lot, uh, if at all, after that. And so it was again another stop start of like, all right, great, here's this this guy we introduced him, um, but I think we end up going the route of bringing in. Uh, bringing in Dak because we wanted to get Dak in while we could. When Before that, he moved out. Yeah, so that while that would have been a spot we could have brought Hoodie back, we moved on and did Dak instead. Um, so things were just really stop-start with the submission squad all the way through, unfortunately. but Because uh, we could have... I think that would have been a fun feud leading up to somewhere down the line, Shire and Hoodie hooking up again with a little more meaning behind it. Because... Hootie swooped in and took that spot from Shire. Right. But still, it worked with getting him where he needed to be on the on the the Ego Busters, so it worked in that regard. But And it was a good match, so well, can't complain. Match. Very good match. And now we finally get here to the main events of the evening. Stage 1 2018. We got uh, Dave Vega taking on Eddie Kingston. As I uh, alluded to earlier, uh, we definitely thought that Kingston was going to be not exactly a regular but semi-regular but semi-regular um this was uh, Kingston's debut for us um was almost he'd almost debuted back at the STLI when we had a, a random cancel uh-huh. uh and he was like ready to do it but uh, we couldn't get the flights together last minute and ever since that moment I was like all right well we got to bring him in um cuz I I had been around him I think twice at at NWL and, I mean, first of all, he was an absolute fucking joy to be around. Like, Kingston in that locker room, I've talked about it before, he was just fucking hilarious. And I guess because I knew the besties and they thought I was cool, he, he, you know, took to me right away. And, like, we immediately, like, I immediately hit it off with him. Like, I don't really, like, it wasn't, like, best friends immediately, but I immediately <laughs> gravitated towards him just because he has that personality where you, like, you want to sit around and, like, what the fuck is this dude going to say next? Like, I got to fucking be near this guy. Mm. Um and so I had a really great time there, and then I saw the two matches that he put on, and it was just, uh, it was amazing. As a guy who wasn't a big Chikara fan, I didn't know how good Kingston was. Yeah. And so his selling is, like, some of the best I've ever seen. Like, in every match that I've watched him in personally, I've thought that he was legitimately injured. Like, up to this point. I'd seen, like, two or three of his matches at NWL. Right. And every time... I, like when he wrestled uh, Jeremy Wyatt, for example, he eats a pile driver somewhere in there, and he starts selling his neck. And like I thought throughout the whole thing, like, man, he fucked his neck up. Like I was up top thinking, and because then he goes back and he films a promo on the spot where he's like yelling at Jackson and you know going crazy. And I saw him throwing shit from up in the balcony in Overland Park, and I thought he was throwing shit because he was mad because he fucked his neck up. Yeah. And, and 
but it was just because he's like the best fucking seller in the business. Like, and so I knew it was going to be a kick-ass time to have him in. I knew that he would um, put on a great match. And at this point, he hadn't been in the area yet. It's not like now where he was coming in for Glory Pro every other month. Right. You know, this was a unique experience to be able to see him. Uh, and so that's why we put we we did what we did with again maybe sacrificing the long term story for the big money match, which is not our deal as yeah, we talked right, about. Right. Um, we put him on the resurgence so that he can have a match with Davy Vega of the Eagle Busters, who's still being held hostage on my team. Um, and I knew that right away the match I wanted to do was with Vega when he was good for the date, um, not just because of their. Very strange real life feud. <laughs> like, it's hilarious, but it is the one of the weirdest things ever. I remember, like, Jackson told me one time, I remember we were talking about Kingston. I was like, I fucking love him so much. He was like, I love him too, but, like, sometimes, like, the Vegas stuff goes a little far. And I was like, what do you mean? He's like, I don't know, man. We just, he got off the plane and he just immediately started talking about Vega, and I was just like, do you exist other than when you're fucking with Vega? Like, just be a human being. Just be a person. Like, we don't have to always fuck with Vega. <laughs> and, uh, but I knew that they would tear down the house. I mean, we just watched it conclude here on the video. They absolutely did. They go, like, 15, like 15 to 20 minutes. Uh-huh. And they beat the piss out of each oh, other. Oh, yeah. Uh, it is good, stiff, fucking solid shit. Um... And it is a phenomenal match, just like any Vega or Kingston match you see. And so when they get in there together, it's always magic. Um, and I, he was just Kingston was is a fucking phenomenal dude. Like I definitely, if he really is done at the end of the year, I feel like we got to get him in one more time. Um, he's talking about wrapping it up at the end of the year, possibly. Mm-hmm. And if he is, then I mean. Uh, we got to so everybody buy your tickets to see Gang Grill on the uh, on June fifteenth because if that show goes well, we'll have Kingston back in for his one of his uh, final matches for sure. Hell yeah! Um, but I just remember a you know dude shows up with Vega of course and and everybody <laughs> else and uh, just immediately starts fucking with Vega. The meme that we have, which it, this isn't so much like, so I don't want anybody getting upset. I'm not trying to talk about Vega's personal life. Here. You're right. But this is a, a locker room story involving, mostly involving Kingston, where he's talking about, he somehow gets off on a, some sort of, everybody gets off on a porn tangent, because it's a wrestling locker room, and fucking, that's just a thing you talk about at four o'clock in the afternoon in a wrestling locker room. Sure. And, and they're all talking about, and he's like, man, I, I gotta have that weird violent shit. I need to see that weird violent shit. I need people fucking choking each other and shit. And Vega looks like, ooh. Like, and he gives a look, and... Kingston keys in on the, like, I'm shocked look from Vega and gives the what has become a meme in the staff chat as well of, he's like, what is this? He wraps his, for comedic effect, wraps his fucking uh, workout bands around his neck until his face starts to turn red and starts yanking on them. What? Does this make you, does this make you uncomfortable? Look me in the fucking eyes. Look me in the eyes while I come. Look at me in the eyes. (laughs) And it is uh, fucking hilarious to this day to think about. That was one of the various fucking uh, Kingston memes that have popped up in the staff chat since then. Um, but I mean, this is one of the, if you haven't seen this match, go out or your way to find it. I don't even know if it's on sale. If it's not, DM me. I'll fucking try and shoot it to you. It's fucking <laughs> phenomenal. 
Um, and, and they have a fucking knockdown dragout match, and, and Eddie Kingston is uh, the, a fucking national treasure. What else can you say? A national treasure, indeed. Is the man. I think that does it for the show, though. Like I said, overall, like one, watching it back and realizing, like it's probably one of the best fucking shows we've ever put on, top to bottom. Yeah. And it's all gonna be downhill from here, brother. I'm not looking forward <laughs> to these next couple ones. No. I'm not looking forward to them, but uh, we will we'll break them down here. We'll That's to, what we do. We'll have to bang these out fast so that way it doesn't last on you for a long time. I suppose we should. <laughs> we'll do we'll do the best, do the best we can. <laughs> Work with what we got here. Hopefully, it'll be a cathartic process. Yeah, that's what I'm gonna tell myself every day until we are forced to cover them. <laughs> well, so there it was. I hope you enjoyed it. I hope you liked it. Uh, I enjoyed listening to some stories back. It was it was a fun time. Stuff that I that I definitely wanted to get out there when we recorded it. Um, so is this the last episode? Who knows, man. I don't know. Maybe I, maybe I'll chat it up with Daniel and see if we can. Um, get to the rest of these events part of the struggle would be uh when we were recording these they were kind of fresh in my mind so i didn't have to go back and watch all of these ones because you know we were getting closer and closer to the real life timeline but now i haven't thought about anything pwcs since october of 2019 so here we are six months removed um from the final event and so I would have to go back and watch them. And a lot of the footage is kind of lost once Daniel started stopped um, editing them himself. It, and there's a lot of footage out there, but I don't know if I have it or where I would get it and how we would watch it. But um, it would be nice if we could go back and refresh. So it's definitely something I think I'm going to look into. I think uh, even just recording these intros and outros felt good. They felt, it felt nice. I get, a little, get a little bit of a performance out. Um, dip into a, another part of my personality that people don't get to see in real life. Um, quarantine's been very hard on me, and my real life job has been very stressful. So, um, you know, it'd be really nice to dip out and kind of talk to you guys. Or however many of you are left out there on the PWCS Wrestling Podcast, I'll see if I see you around the bend. Well, we definitely have to have another episode now because that's a shitty way. That can't be the final way I end my final podcast, right? I can't go, I can't go out like that.